Welcome to Frickety Frack. We do talk back. And thank you for joining us in this episode. Hello, my name is Patrick and I'm Frack. Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Frick. Frickety Frack, We Do Talk Back is a show where we will discuss different aspects of fandom and how they relate to the gospel. Currently, we're going through the Prime Video series, Invincible, and connecting lessons from each episode to teachings of the Bible. Now, just as many of you are, we are also fans of other things as well. So with this episode, uh, we will conclude Invincible, and we will announce at the end of this episode where we're going next. And we... um, we got the name of the show from our father who dubbed us Frick and Frack since we were kids. So the title of this episode is Where I Really Come From. All right, and so we start the episode with a mortal's dead body falling to the ground while Omni-Man says to Mark that we need to talk. Mark attacks his dad and he thinks he's being mind-controlled. Omni-Man tells him the truth about the Viltrumite Empire. Uh, they are a warrior uh, society and that they are conquering empire and omni-man has been sent to planet earth to weaken it so it can be conquered and join the viltrum empire omni-man tells them that they can live for thousands of years and uh won't miss uh the people on earth for very long after omni-man explains that he loves debbie like a pet mark starts the fight between them the guardians with the arrival of adam eve uh prepare Uh, to be called in if necessary. Invincible and Omni-Man continue their fight uh, with some interference from the military, but no success. Invincible saves a fighter pilot from his fallen aircraft, and Omni-Man kills him in front of Mark. Omni-Man punches Mark so hard that he lands in Chicago and has a trail of debris that causes massive damage to the city, killing a lot of people. Mark gets up and tries to stop a building from collapsing, but fails. And as he holds a dead body, Omni-Man says that all human life is pointless in the grand scheme of things, even Mark's mother's. Omni-Man punches him into the subway and uses Mark's body to slaughter the people on the train. Omni-Man continues his disdain for the people of Earth as he pummels Mark. Uh, The Guardians gear up so they can at least go out and save lives. And Omni-Man and Invincible's fight takes them to the mountains that causes an avalanche. Omni-Man lays into Mark in the mountain. And as he's doing that, flashes back to when Mark uh, plays Little League. And that memory stops him from killing Mark. The fight ends with Mark explaining that, um, that he's fighting because that even after 500 years from now, uh, the two of them would still have each other. With that, Omni-Man leaves Earth and the solar system. Cecil and Debbie, and Debbie arrive to take Mark to the hospital. Uh, the Maulers get arrested, and others watch as the Guardians start clearing the debris in Chicago. Mark awakens in the hospital with his mother caring for him and telling him how proud of him she is. Debbie leaves and runs into Cecil and tells her that they will be taken care of financially because of his guilt for not knowing about Omni-Man's treachery. The Guardians return to their headquarters and Rex cleans off the bloodstain left by Nolan's attack at the beginning of the series. And everyone starts returning to a semblance of normalcy as Mark recovers in the hospital. William and Eve run into each other at the Grayson house, finding out that they both know Mark is invincible. Cecil talks to Mark about life post-Omni-Man and takes him to the white room where scientists are working on different inventions. Uh, He wants Mark to take on man's place, uh, but Mark declines for now. And Cecil takes Mark and Debbie home. Mark thinks of the conversation with his dad about being a hero like him and finds his mother hysterical in her room. Amber comes over and they reunite. uh, And then William and Eve come along uh, with Mark and Amber as they hang out. And Debbie goes to arts. Eve explains that she's Adam, in, she's Adam Eve and Mark is called away to intercept someone traveling to Earth through space. And, and it's Alan the alien. Alan explains that Earth is off limits because there's a Viltrumite living on the planet. Mark explains what happened and Alan explains the coalition of planets fight against the Viltrumites. And at the end of this show, this episode, we get teases of the villains still out there and things that can be coming in the next 
um, Seasons of Invincible. Uh, so this, uh, we didn't really talk about this before doing the synopsis for this episode. This, this episode is extremely violent. Uh, now, the, if you've been watching the Invincible series, you have seen that they have not ever shied away from blood and gore and things like that. Uh, even the comic book is the same way. Like it is very much at l- the comic book is at least a very strong PG 13, especially in the beginning. When it, when it gets later, it's pretty much R, I would say. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. The comic, the comic definitely takes an adult turn. Uh, mm-hmm. In the beginning, it's not as bad. Like there's still blood and gore uh in the early in the series but as the series progresses it ramps up as yep. did the season the season mm-hmm. it it definitely ramped up um they got progressively well i don't know if there was i, I think the gore the blood and gore throughout the entire this first season pretty much stayed pretty level throughout don't you think until this episode yeah this uh, this the, one took it up to 11 and it was about eight or it was about a seven or eight for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, that, then, and that's not there's the and, language and, too. And, yeah. And well, that's, that's, but the language has been uh, throughout the series. The Absolutely. Well. Especially you know, so when it's not, talks. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's not that big of a, you know, it's not that big of a shocker. Um, if you've been watching the series, yes, there is a language, there is violence. Um, and there's things that could be potentially very traumatic to watch. And so one of the things, um, so one of the things that I really liked about the showing about in this episode was the action. Like the action was like 100% top notch. Some of the best animation action you will, you can get around when it comes to just flat out superhero action. Mm -hmm. Um, and I liked that they, because in the comic, th- this fight didn't last that this long. Uh, it wasn't as elaborate in the comic. Um, so I liked how much more they built on it. They built on no. They built on Nolan and his his appeal to Mark to try and convince him to to join him. Um, it's just absolutely absolutely f- fantastic action. Uh, and like absolutely. you really. So this is a, this is a bit of a minor spoiler. Uh, but again, this is only if they do this in the series, it's a spoiler. I don't know if they will or not. So one of my favorite issues of Invincible, uh, it, it would take place down the road in the series. There's a guy that winds up going after Mark. And I think he has like, he either has like some, like a form of like techno, like tech gadget, weapons and something like electric based i think a little bit too and fights mark the motivation for him is that he's a he's upset at mark and nolan because their world shattering fight in the beginning of the comic book series uh one of the people that was a casualty of that was his sister um and so it just it just absolutely infuriated him. And it, was, and it was one of the first times that I can, and I was, I've read quite a few comic books. Um, and, and I, and I will be the first one to tell you that I have by far only read a, like based on how many superhero comic books are, I've read a small portion of them. I had never before that time had ever read a comic that actually dealt with the people suffering that suffered these huge fights in which these happen all the time in comic books you see these all the time you see you know these teams you know like you know like the avengers going against the x-men or avengers versus avengers um you know going up against um like korvac and korvac hydra you know the legion you know like the justice league going up against the legion of doom um you know the sinestro Corps invading invading earth black the black lantern the blackest night going on yeah you see all this stuff and so it's like for for that what was so great about that invincible issue is that it brought to light like yeah sometimes we get kind of stuck in you know they people get stuck in these people's worlds and it's like we don't get to see how much we don't always get to 
always get that fully thought out about how much damage a superhero society would do to us. Right. And so um it's one of the reasons why I love Astro City. Yeah. And I and I had never heard I hadn't honestly I pro I by the time I read this issue I, that issue I probably still hadn't even heard of Astro City. But Probably. It was it was an eye opener for me. That's what I loved about that issue so much was that it was truly unique in that way. Is that it dealt with these huge fights and how much you know superhero society can suck for people. Yeah, absolutely. and so so it, it's just you know like and so I say all this to say what I loved about how they expanded the fight is that we get to see how that you know if they decide to tackle this in the coming seasons they've already set the stage because we have seen how traumatic this um this fight was between nolan and mark especially when they got to chicago yeah, um, oh my goodness just like the the rampage that happened um and so but yeah it was oh my gosh it was absolutely fantastic and if i ever get to meet ryan ollie again I, I need to try and remember to ask him it's like so how badly do you want to draw that train scene because uh, they didn't do the in the comic they didn't do the train scene um and we all know what train yeah. scene we're talking about you know nolan holding mark and just having the train run right through him or him them run through right, right through the train um and ryan otley is he wasn't the original artist on the series but he is the main artist because he took over after like issue seven or something like that um he took over the full-time artistic duties yeah. um but yeah, so I just I, a specific number it is. Uh, it's it's very early in the series yeah. uh, that he took over. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of want to I kind of want to know it's like so how badly you want to draw that train scene because <laughs> uh, because again it's just you know Invincible's you know like a chat it's like one of his children uh, right. just like how much time and energy he invested in the series. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of what I I feel like, you know, like that the action was just top notch in this, and you know, and I just I love the expounding on it and the fact that, you know, and Mark being true to his nature so far in the series is that like yeah I, you know, so yes I know I'm I'm fighting for for my survival, but that doesn't justify me just forgetting everybody around me. I need to still try and save people, um, and then him failing. Right. quite miserably in, in fact and you know yeah. it's just like and that's one of the the more consistent things with mark in this season is that and we've touched on this throughout the the show that mark isn't exactly an effective superhero um unlike his comic book counterpart or the comic book mark you know, he did great from the get-go and basically until he has to fight his dad. Um, and so then he, but in this, this show, he, he had a few minor successes ex except for the, the montage episode where he starts taking on a bunch of nobodies. And, and they did that to show how he's grown as a hero uh, and, starts feeding his ego a little bit because he's like oh man I, i'm invincible and uh and so this is a then basically leading up to this episode is him realizing that he's actually not as good as he thinks he is it's because it, it starts with titan you know titan is the one who helps him basically realize he's not as good of a hero as he thinks he is and then it's just kind of downhill from there because he has a hard time against the reanimate um and then you know he's like i don't know i don't know if i want to keep doing this and and so the the doubt and, and so the, the doubt that mark has is is actually is fairly true to the character because he doubts being a hero from time to time it's not quite a it's definitely not as early as it is in, in yeah in the show yeah yeah but really he, but yeah, he does early he does struggle yeah, very, with it later yeah, very early in the comic, he he's full bore into uh, being the being a superhero, and even with everything that happens with his dad, because um, and I, I'm pretty sure we brought this up in previous ep in the previous episodes of ours uh, when we talk about Invincible. Cecil doesn't sh 
in the comics, Cecil doesn't show up until after the fight, after this fight. This is when this is in the comics when we would actually meet Cecil. Um, so, and in the true to comics, true to the comics, Cecil does offer Invincible the job uh, because in the in the comics, uh, Mark and Debbie knew that um, Nolan used an earpiece, so he actually did work directly with Cecil. Uh, in the comics so it, it wasn't like how it is in the show where it's like no i just kind of do my own thing and uh we have a uh mutual understanding of each other or whatever uh right. no well, in, the, in the comics he worked directly for him he had an earpiece right and, and well he 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 responds to cecil from time to time like because i remember in the one of the episodes he talks about how busy he is because the guardians of the globe are right awful well, right right so he He's does like so cecil, like so cecil has his number and can give him a call and say hey can you help us with this but it wasn't it's it's a different relationship than the comics in the comics it's yeah. hey we need you here hey we need you here come you know it's it, it, you know the direct earpiece and connection and in which that, that's actually what the relationship turned into for mark in the comics as well as that he got he got the earpiece and the beeper um although in the comics at that point beepers were kind of they were on their way out they weren't completely gone beepers weren't completely gone by then but they were on their way out right those of you that are maybe really young and don't know what a beeper is it was the first version of the cell phone that were the common version of the cell phone because you could send you know quick messages to people through the through, you could you would call their beeper number and it was you could send like a very quick message or whatever um usually so yeah. you would send your phone number so that they needed to call you back yeah and uh so yeah <clears throat> so yeah anyways that's the only people and one of the jokes um throughout pop pop culture in the last few years is that the only there's only two kinds of people that still use beepers drug dealers and doctors yeah um, and so that was actually one of the jokes with the comic book was that they assumed that because uh, by this time, Amber still didn't know that Mark was invincible. So she thought so she was, you know, she thought Mark was a drug, drug dealer because he'd always be getting these like beeper messages and, he had to and, run off and, and he'd run off and go somewhere. And even and by this time, even uh, even William had known who. Knew knew that Mark was invincible, and so they just kind of started laughing. But anyway, so yeah, it's again, it's one of the slight, you know, it's one of the differences and deviations from the comic and the series. Um, but yeah, it's you know, so it's it's funny to think about beepers, and I actually haven't thought about beepers in oh, who knows how long. Uh, I have used a beeper because I had it for uh, when I was a chaplain in the hospital, so that was always fun carrying those things around i've Um, never used a beeper i've called people that you know our our, one of our best friends in high school he was notorious for a beeper so we would always communicate with them that way um i think one of my favorite moments in this episode is when nolan has his flashback to mark's little league game and in the episode in the flashback you see nolan sitting or standing away from everyone and he's like and he's just upset he's like this is a waste of my time this is just so dumb and he's like he's like and you know debbie's like well, well, come and sit with me and watch he's like well if you want me to watch i mean i should be watching from the sky i have a better view and she's like that's not the point <laughs> and, and lays it out and during that, like, you know, he gets markets two strikes. And then uh, on the third pitch, he hits the ball and does an in the park home run. And during all of that, Nolan finally, this is the first time Nolan really probably gets a chink in his Viltrum, Viltrumite armor and becoming more compassionate because he's like, oh, this is what it means to be a dad. This is what it means to have a son. And, and I, I mean, I totally get that. Like I see that 
that look and he's like he's just like oh my gosh this is amazing i mean and it's and i mean it's little league and and it's just you know and it's probably the type of little league that you know my kids still play that where everyone gets a chance to bat and those kind of things and 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 even uh, if you do strike out you still go on base you probably you probably would have hit off the tee or something like that i don't know um because you can't really it's kind of hard to tell how old mark is at that point but he i mean it's underhanded pitching so anyways um i just had a moment like that recently with my son um so my oldest can read um and so what my son is my second oldest and uh he was reading me a spider-man story and was doing a fantastic job and because he's 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 just growing as a reader and and so it's major props to my wife on because uh she homeschools the kids and is teaching him and so he she's had the most direct teaching him and in his reading and i just was getting all teary-eyed and and choked up like i was keeping it in because i didn't want to freak it freak him out um but he's just reading and I'm, I'm so proud of him and and so i i see that like you know my kids doing great stuff you know my third child she had her dance recital she actually did the dance it was great because <laughs> she actually participated this time uh and so it's yeah just for those like, of you that don't know in her previous dance recital she just stood there oh yeah she looked like what the heck is going on what are you crazy people doing she was in proper dance position uh but it was actually i mean it was good that was good posture and hand placement but she's like i'm not doing this and then she at one point in the dance recital she does do uh she does start moving her arms at one point to to start doing then she's like nope i'm not doing it um and so anyway but this time she actually did dance and this time she actually danced and i was very happy about that um so anyway so it's but i just really connected with that and honestly even though i've seen this episode before i've i had forgotten about this scene Mm -hmm. um in this episode and so uh, it was it it took me by surprise because like i said i had forgotten that i was in it um and it was good to see it again yeah it was it was a it's a very contrasting moment for me just because um I've, I also watched The Boys, and which is also a very graphic show. Uh, it's very entertaining. Uh, it has some great... It's, it's a more cynical take on what the superhero world would be like and how superheroes would act. Um, but I do want to warn you, there is language and there is gore um, as well. So if you do decide to check it out, just be forewarned. Um, so as I've been re-watching The Boys, there's an episode where the uh, Superman archetype character, his name is Homelander, um, and he uh, is not a nice person. Uh, he's like he's kind of like Omni Man, and that the, there's some deep he's down a evil. Worse than Omni Man, <laughs> my understanding. I, I, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go into it too much because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. That if they decide to go out and check the boys, I don't want to ruin anything. But there is a scene in which he is training. A, his son and trying to teach him how to fly and the son does not want to do it because he does not believe he can fly and does not believe he has powers and Homelander's just like no no you'll be okay and shoves him off a roof and um, his only you know he's he qualifies he's only like 20 feet up he's fine and at one point the, the mother of the child is saying like he's not breathing um, and but he does eventually start breathing. He does turn out to be fine, but it's still just kind of like you go, you, you go from I literally like watched this like maybe a day or two ago, and then I watched the Invincible episode earlier today, and I see Nolan be excited for his child and succeeding at something, and then you and when you see Homelander push his child off a roof, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but then again, you, then you also see Omni Man just you know literally knock the teeth out of his son. Yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, it was, let me tell you that, that, uh, Viltrumite reju, you know, regeneration is a great thing because, you know, Mark's gotten knocked, knocked around quite a bit this, in this first season. And the fact that his teeth, like he's lost his teeth a couple times, I think. Um, about right. well, honestly, it could be surgical implants. That's, that's true too, but, um, more, more than like my money's on regeneration. Um, could be. But yeah, so it's just, it's, um, so yeah, so not a good day for Superman archetype dads out there. Um, but yeah, so one of my, honestly, and I'm so happy this scene made it into the series and it's the white room. Like, and again, mm-hmm. again, like, like I said, like I said before, this is the point in the comics when we actually meet Cecil for the first time. And let me too, let me also say this too. One of the things that just absolutely cracks me up every time they show a sign of the Pentagon and it says parking in the rear. I don't know why, but they always put that in there in the comic. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's actually where, I don't know if that's actually what the sign for the Pentagon looks like. I need to look that up. Um, I'll do it right now. <laughs> so while he's doing that, I'm going to explain. So in the comic, Every time that they have their lead in scene that they're doing something with the global defense or they're meeting with the, you know, whatever they always in the comic book, they always, they always had a panel of the Pentagon and it has a sign that says Pentagon parking in rear. Um, And so the fact that they do that in the show too, just absolutely, I absolutely love that. It's, it shows that the people that are making the series love the comic. So they include those little things in there. And then one of my favorite early scenes in the comic, when we get to meet Cecil, he brings Mark into a room, and in the in the comic, it's just it's all white. Like you don't know what's going on. Like it's just Mark and Cecil standing there, and Mark is kind of freaking out. Like, um, what what's happening? There's nothing here. I don't see anything. And um, oh, he's like, oh my bad. And he, you know, like with a he tells him, you know, turns the lights off or something like that. I'm, I'm I don't remember exactly the exact terminology, but it says lights. And so then Mark is able to see everything. Like he sees all this different stuff that the global defense agency is working on. And again, and it's just like, and what I love about it too, is that it's playing into like a different version, like different things that, you know, like different conspiracy theories out there, like, you know, or not not necessarily just different conspiracy theories, but like some proven things that the government does to people. And it's just like, oh yeah, you know, it's like what you know what you drink from your tap water. Yeah, it prevents you from seeing in this spectrum, and that's all we use in here. So that's why you can't see anything. And it's just like that's some shady stuff that I totally believe the government could do or would do. It's just like, yeah, the things you drink that you're trying to make yourself healthy, yeah, we do that so you can't see this stuff. Um and so it makes you wonder if that's not maybe like the camouflage technology that like, you know, at the end of this episode, you see the Mahler twins get picked up by the global defense agency uh, employ, uh, soldiers or agents or whatever. And they, they decloak and it makes you wonder if like maybe that's what, you know, they're using to actually cloak themselves is that they use that. And then when they make their appearances, when them turn, turn that off or whatever, uh, I don't know, it's just a theory. It might be a completely different cloaking technology, but I do absolutely 100% love that scene. Have, have you been able to find the, if, if the, yeah, more than likely that's just them doing something jokey. Uh, we'll keep looking into it later. Um, I'm not able to find anything, at least just the, you know, couple minutes of Google searching. Um, so, um, yeah, I love the white room too. Uh, I think that's a it's a fascinating thing, and and potentially with where things could be going, uh, depending on how true they are to the comics, the White Room will be uh, important. And Cecil kind of teases that a little bit in this episode about what the what it all is in the White Room. Well, I mean, in all honesty, what it boils down to, and they've been talking about this throughout this season, is how do you take down a Viltrumite? And speaking of taking down a Viltrumite, it's one of the things that I liked about uh, when he meets up with Alan again. And this was also, you know, like they're, when they, in the comics, this, this is that, that actually is what happens is that after he's recovered, uh, at some point, Alan does come and they, they have a powwow on the moon again. 
And he explains, it's like, oh, yeah, dude, I wasn't supposed to even come to Earth. Like, that that plan's been flagged for Viltrum. And um, it's like, man, I wish I could have, I wish I had realized what was going on and then I could have warned you. And he's just like, dude, you have no idea. It's like, I probably, you would have told me, but I would have, I just, honestly, I would have just gone talk to my dad and he probably would have fed me a line and he would have lied and I would have bought it. Um, so anyways, uh, really love that interaction, but it also, the, his, you know, when Mark was talking with Alan, it sets up a lot of future uh enemies that are going to pop up and if as you know as much as they can as they're going to stay true to the comic as with the show as they will um because they've been pretty faithful so far um so i don't i only assume they're going to stay you know i i I do expect changes but i expect them to stay pretty pretty faithful um but when they um tease the viltrumites coming so that's kind of like they're there's there's a couple of Viltrumites coming to Earth that it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. Oh, yeah. um, uh, I don't know if we saw the theme. I don't remember if they showed the female, the female one, but they did show the big guy. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's when he Arizia? Up, is it Arizia? Her name is Anissa. Anissa. That's what it was. Aresia is a Green Lantern. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Too many comics no in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, well, there. sorry, spoiler. Anissa is the, the name of the female Viltrumite. So we might as well go and say the big the big guy. Conquest. Uh, Conquest. Ooh. Oh, some, ooh, some stuff is coming. Yeah, that's going to um, be. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, they, you do see him uh, in the when they kind of show like when Nolan is explaining the history. There's this like really jacked dude that has white hair. That's Conquest. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, there was at one point a fan casting. Unfortunately, it wouldn't work now. Um, but there was a fan casting that they wanted Gilbert Gottfried to voice Conquest, and I do think that'd be pretty funny. Because Conquest is a bad dude, and you have this high squeaky voice uh, uh, voicing yeah. him. I think it'd be Actually, funny. I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it. But it, you know, if it hadn't happened, J.K. Simmons would, actually, would be a really great Conquest. He's <laughs> uh, also a great Omni Man. Well, I'm I'm sure they'll knock it out of the park. So far, they've just really knocked it out of the park, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes. To the voice actors and, and we've talked about this quite a bit already but yeah i just they've they've really knocked it out of there so far um and you know it's like and just really one of the things that i that i truly do like about this show over the comic is debbie and mm-hmm. like she's more normal she's real um and as much as i as much as there's a part of me that really liked the fact that they, that everybody was 100% shocked that Omni-Man was not who he said he was. Um, I do like the slow build of, you know, like Debbie and Cecil figuring it out kind of like, and then, but I like the explanation as to why they didn't go as far as they did earlier in the season is because they were like, you know, they're, well, we built trust with him for 20 years. And so, maybe we're, we're just not seeing something you know it's like i'm just holding out hope that you know, like maybe he's mind controlled or he's blackmailed or something along those lines and just holding out hope that he whatever the reason he did it there's a there's an actual good reason for it and right. so and i like i like that and and then on top of it too like i loved i love seeing debbie with mark as he the first time he gains kind of consciousness after the fight and she, you know, she, you can kind of tell she's powering through that conversation. Like it's a very quick conversation. She powers through when she's telling him, I'm proud of you. You know, it's like, I know you got your butt kicked. You know, she didn't say that you obviously shouldn't say that, but it's like, she's like, I know you got your butt kicked, but you stood up to him and you did the right thing. You, you did how you acted, how I raised you to. And you know, like, and but it still breaks her heart because it's, you know, she fell in love with him. Like, you know, she's in fact, but you see by the end of the episode, she's still in love with him. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's her, it's her husband and the, the father of her child. And so it's like, um, but she's still so proud of him. And it's like, so there, there's, there's an aspect of that, that, that I just really loved uh, about that. And it was just, a, it was a really touching moment. And in fact, I didn't quite remember it being so powerful the first time I watched it. Uh, so rewatching it now, it's kind of like, oh, wow, this was really good. And, and like, and the, and the, the dialogue back and forth between Nolan and Mark was just absolutely top notch. Like, man, did JK Simmons and Steven Yeun really bring it. Um, and their, and, and their delivery, like you could just feel, you could, you could feel Mark's heart breaking when, as the more and more he figures out what his father's really like. And right. so, just, and especially when he refers to Debbie as a pet, like that was, that was tough to read in the comic, but having that, um, said by JK Simmons, I was like, wow you know it was it was a, an incredible line of dialogue that um he gave and on you know on top of it you know you could even i'm trying to decide if there's any doubt in what he's he was saying like i'm trying to remember the scene even though, you know, just watched it this afternoon. Uh, if there's any doubt there. But I, because in the comic, the comic, I mean, you know, Omni-Man's just a straight up sociopath during this part. Like, he's just cold. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm right. And at least that's the way I always read it, was that there was no give until he realized, until Mark said something. Like, even now, even during this part, I, I feel like, J.K. Simmons was giving this great emotional depth to Omni-Man that um, wasn't necessarily... You, you can't always act out in a comic. Well, the, the phrasing... the What eventually stopped Omni-Man in the comic fight was is, is actually what Mark said to Nolan in the anime... in the show. And that is like we would have had each other, you know. And so it's just kind of, you know, like when, you know, Nolan's laying out, it's like, dude, you're going to live thousands of years. What are you going to have in 500? You know, it's like none of these people that you say you care about are going to even exist. You may not even remember them. And he's like, we would have had each other. Yeah. And so it's just, so yeah, it's it very, very emotional, very like just really, really tugged at you. Um, and just really, just really great stuff. And um, I don't know if the creators of the show realize, and this is just how special the internet, a special of a place the internet can be. But like, there's at least two or three really popular meme styles that mm -hmm. came out from this episode. Yeah, you know, the, um, the... Th that's the most popular one. I want to get to that. So just give me a second. So the the two less popular versions of it are, um, you know, some, you know, like holding somebody being like, you know, like generally the, the way that I would kind of see this meme is it's like, Oh, and Hey, by the way, Oh, you say you're a fan of uh, this fandom. You're like, you're, you're Lord a part of, of the Rings. fandom. You know, what's that? Like Lord of the Rings. Like Lord of the Rings is like, Oh, so here's all of this information. And so like, you see like, like Similarian and all the sorts of stuff being said as you get, and then just being plowed through because you say you're a fan um mm. and then the other one the second most popular one or so that's the third most popular meme that i've seen that come out from this episode and again these are very tragic scenarios that are happening and people went to town and did some fantastic stuff with it and so then the second most popular one is it's like do you see what you what they have to do to you know like uh to just get a fraction of our power my favorite one actually it's the cargo shorts version uh where they talk about like you know talks about like you know this is a very common thing if you you know i'm sure people have heard but uh one of the things that's very common uh that i've heard of complaints from women is that their clothes don't have pockets they don't have pockets for anything like even jeans that they wear don't they have things that look like pockets but they're not actually pockets they can't put anything in there um 
anyways and so um so then it's like you know i think they show like you know like my favorite version of the meme is like the air the the fighter jets are replaced with like with a purse and then omni man is replaced with like cargo shorts and it's like do you see what they have to do to just mimic a fraction of our power and the fact that we have cargo shorts where their complaint is they have no pockets and we have too many pockets yeah <laughs> well that's where where people where women will joke that if they have their men or guy wearing cargo shorts that they are their walking purse so they don't right. have to have a purse and i will not lie when i had cargo shorts i do not anymore um when i did i did act as a purse for my wife um like she'd be like hey can you carry this i was like yes absolutely um because i had space um <laughs> for all for whatever little stuff that she had i didn't do it very often because she you know didn't do that kind of stuff very often but you know from time to time she'd be like hey can you carry my keys and and i'd be like sure and um, i'd carry your keys for her and things like that and, and then and then obviously the most popular meme is uh at the very near the very end of the fight and nolan is point you can't you obviously with with the audio you can't see it but it's like when he points at it it's just like do you like think mark and so you know like bringing up some point it's just like you know just something that is like you know if you genuinely thought about it you know and so again like Again, these are very emotional things happening right now. Mark is just seeing people die left and right, and people are making jokes about it. And it's like, but it's great. It's it's, it's really comical. Um, it's just I, I kind of wonder if when they were making this stuff, like, did you think memes were gonna pop up because of it? Honestly, I think that's actually the ultimate sign of respect is that they take something and turn it into a meme. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, it's because, kind of a reverse well, effect so, for in, Morbius. Yeah. Uh, I've I haven't <laughs> watched Morbius and I'm not in a rush to. I don't plan on it. Uh, but yeah, and so the la- last thing I want to talk about just real quick is Alan reappearing. And so uh, I've I've been, um, I've never been a huge Seth Rogen fan. I've always liked him. Like I think he's funny in bits, and not like. Then stuff that where he's the lead character and that sort of stuff, I tend not to like too much. Um, but when he shows up in these little bit things, I do find him funny. Um, but him as Alan the Alien, I absolutely love. I didn't know I want, I needed Seth Rogen as Alan the Alien, but I need Seth Rogen as Alan the Alien. Absolutely. Um, so one of my favorite, favorite little things, little tidbits that I got, I don't. Um, I believe I got this information actually from Ryan Otley. Um, but at the very end of, you know, when everything's getting set up for season two, uh, Alan asks Mark, well, what's, what do you, what's next for you? And Mark is like, well, I, you know, I don't know. I finished high school. And Alan's like, oh, cool. And then you see, and then the screen kind of goes black and you hear Alan say, What's high school? 100% improvised line. That was not in the script. Seth Rogen improvised that because, again, that's actually a very good question. It's like, how's Alan supposed to know what the heck high school is? He just spoke earlier that he grew up in a breeding camp because his race was on the verge of extinction. He didn't know who his father was. Um, But yeah, absolutely love that line because it 100% totally makes sense. Like he, you know, Mark just says like, oh yeah, I'm going to finish high school. Like everybody should know what high school is. Um, But yeah, absolutely love that line. And the fact that it was improvised is makes, is just a little chair on the top for me. Wholeheartedly agree. You know, same, same for me about Seth Rogen that I was like, when he was cast, I was like, I can get behind that. Um, And then when I finally did hear it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is Alan Alien. It's great. I read the comic now. I, I hear Alan Alien. I also I'm trying to think if there's a there's another person that I, I kind of think of, but I can't you know who actually I hear I hear sometimes is the guy who played Robin in the Batman the Animated series. I actually hear kind of like Alan actually having a higher voice than seth rogan sometimes when i when i read invincible but that's just me 
Uh, but anyways, but Seth Rogen is perfect as Alan. Yeah. All right. So our uh, biblical theme uh, for this episode, uh, you find from Luke chapter 12, verse two, there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And so I think it's very, it's a very poignant verse for this episode because now the whole world is, you know, they may not know the finer details, but they know Omni-Man and Invincible, something happened. And then on top of it too, the people closest to the situation got to find out the truth about Omni-Man. They, you know, they see what happened, you know, what he was, what he believed and that sort of stuff. And um, so it's just something that's very important that I feel like one of the things that I feel like ha- happens a lot when it comes to our the sin in our life, because this is what it's re- that's what being referenced here in this verse is, you know, in all honesty, your sin is going to be made known one way or the other. Um, so more often, more often than you than you want to believe your sin is going to get revealed on this earth, like in your lifetime, and it's going to get. People are people know about your sin. Um, if not, if nobody finds out about what your sin is or or anything like that, it's going to be revealed to you in heaven. Uh, it's going to be revealed at, on, on, in in judgment. Um, that's why it's so important for us to be clothed in Christ. Is that all of those sins that people don't know about or that you kept yourself can be covered with with the blood of Christ. Um, but it's one of the things that I think is so important for us to know, to realize is that a lot of times when it comes to our sin, we struggle, we struggle in silence. We struggle in fear of being recognized or, or being acknowledged as to what's going on. Um, they don't, we don't think that uh, people will understand that people will be compassionate about it. Uh, but it's, it'll come, it'll come to light. And so, and it's not even, and this is also true when it comes to just not with sin, but other stuff too. It's just like, if you're keeping stuff hidden more than likely at some point, it's going to come to light. And, you know, we, and so I, I just, one of the things that I strongly encourage people when I, when I mentor people and I talk to people and I encourage people in my life, um, I try and tell people, it's just like, there's a lot of times people will say stuff behind people's backs and, um, you know, they get really nervous. They'll be like, Oh, don't tell them I said this, um, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, it's like one, it's like, I'm not going to tell somebody what you said about them. I'm not, I'm just not going to do that. Uh, but it's like, you want to know the best 100% foolproof way to know stuff that you say about people behind their backs and just don't say it, you know? Um, because more than likely at some in some form or another, some of that stuff's gonna get kind of brought back around. And when you if you don't wanna be like, oh my gosh, do they know what I what I've said about them or what I think about them? If you can say if you know want you wanna know how you can make sure that that never happens again, like I said, just don't say it. Don't tell people, you know, say don't say stuff about people that you wouldn't say to their face, you know, and Although I will want caution as well. Don't necessarily say something just to say like, okay, I would say this to your face. Like, okay, but should you say that to their face um, mm-hmm. is also something that you need to run through your filter. And so, um, but, but anyway, so that's, I just want to strongly encourage you guys, especially like, I know this is something that's so hard for people sometimes. And, you know, it's just like, oh, I don't, it's like, I need to get this off my chest or I need to, I need to tell you something, but don't tell them I said this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, again, live a life of integrity and character and that, you know, this is like, I'm only going to say something about somebody that I know I would say to them. So, so if it does get back to them, then it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what I believe about you. Like, I, I do think you're, you know, like there's an, you know, you have an issue with, um, I don't know, an issue with authority or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just something that I think is very important for us to understand is that things you want to, you're going to try, people are going to try and keep things hidden. They're, they're going to come to light. Yeah. And 
And so, you know, the, this whole season of Invincible is centered around the mystery of why the Guardians of the Globe were murdered and what was, um, you know, what was, and then on top of that, what was Omni-Man's reason for doing this? And so uh, what was the reason? What, what was causing it? And so then from there, they kind of go into, um, you know, everything and, and things like that. And so, you know, Nolan finally reveals, well, this is why I did this. And, um, you know, working in ministry and working with people who, um, you know, sinned, you know, everyone sinned, everyone's made mistakes, made bad choices. And uh, it, you know, it will, you know, people will find this stuff out, you, especially if you live like in a small town, everybody's gonna know everything. Uh, but one of the things that I, I, I learned lessons in, you know, growing up, you know, you know, you know, my brother and I's age, we have grown up at the age where social media has become very prevalent in everyone's life. And uh, one of the things that I did learn and discover was that if you put something out on the internet, that is for the whole world to know. It could be technically behind a private account, it could be about, uh, you know, you might have some form of security, something like that. It doesn't matter. Once it's out there on the internet, you just might as well assume that everyone knows what you wrote, even if it's hidden and only for you or something like that, whatever it might be. And so along those lines, what Jeff was saying earlier about, you know, if you're going to put this out there, is it going to be something that you want revealed to everyone? Because there is nothing that nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Because you might, and I'm I'm going to go like very very unlikely, keep something hidden, but ultimately God knows, and that's something for each of us to consider that with whatever it is that we're doing, God knows everything. And uh, so we can't conceal anything from God. God knows. And even though God knows he still loves us. So that's really important for that. I'm going to pass along to y'all listening now is God knows and he still loves you and so even though we cannot hide that's fine God's still going to love you anyways and it's uh, important for each of us to receive that love and let God's love shape us to be more like him so that when we come across people who have done wrong to us who have hidden things from us that we will respond in the same way with grace, mercy, and compassion and not, you know, shove them through a subway, subway train. All right. All right. Frick. How would you rate this episode? Uh, it's a, it's a five, not even a question. Like it does a great job of pulling on the heartstrings. It sets up season two beautifully. And it also just, it, it just nails the comic. Like it just does such a great job of nailing the comic and adapting it. And in, in all honesty, that's for this entire season. Yeah, there was an episode. I think I, I dropped an, one episode down to three just because it's kind of like, meh. But as a whole, the season is a five, like just absolutely phenomenal stuff. Uh, great cast, great story, great adaptation. It's not panel for panel. Um, which you shouldn't go into any comic book movie or adaptation expecting a panel for panel remake. Um, 
but it, this was really phenomenal like just absolutely great uh finish to the story um and and like i said i'm super pumped for what they're going to do in the future well i'm going to give it a five as well uh i mean this is great and uh, other things that we've talked about is seeing the uh the devastation of these big fights and uh, and you know and things that you know Jeff talked about like one of the reasons why Astro City is my favorite comic book series of all time is that it lets you see what real life people have to deal with in a superhuman society and uh it's why i love astro City. you know it's my like i said it's my favorite series um uh there's other comic book series that you can look at there's uh damage control um let's see what are what are some other, some other ones anyways there's there's lots of there's some other ones uh you don't get splashes of it from one episode or one issue or for another there's a blue beetle issue where you get to see the eyes through through the through a uh a low-level henchman and what they go through and things like that and so anyway so it's it's really good to see that there are consequences to these giant battles and um and it's very true to form you know it's Honestly, it's probably even still slightly um, downplayed what would actually happen if these fights were real. But anyways, um, so this, I mean, it's just great. And I wholeheartedly agree. Like this first season is, is a five. Um, and, you know, we've, we knocked a couple episodes just because they were so, really, it was probably just one episode, which is kind of, mm. uh, but uh overall this is great great season uh if you love superheroes and you're ready for a more mature look at it this is a great one to look at and i look forward to the fact that there are two more seasons coming out because they did announce uh that they were renewed for seasons two and three already uh and i'm sure though and i'm sure as long as they continue this level of quality they're going to go past season three. Like there's right. just, there's yeah. so much story to tell with Invincible. There, um, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure they won't cover every story that they do, but there is a lot to draw from Absolutely. Uh, for the series. So uh, would you care to make the announcement as to what we shall be doing when we are done now that we are done with the first season of Invincible? All right. So now we are going to be doing, Star Wars show Obi Wan. Uh, super pumped about it. So far, the first three episodes have come out uh, as of the recording of this episode of our podcast. Only three episodes are out. Uh, I think it's safe to say we've both uh, enjoyed the show so far. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited to go to see where the show goes. Um, and anytime that they get to, you know, so I'm just, I'm super pumped for it. And Ewan McGregor is such a phenomenal Obi-Wan Kenobi. So any opportunity to see him do more Obi-Wan, I'm down for it. I'm so Absolutely. there. Um, so yeah, super excited to do that for you, to, to do with that with you guys. Um, so just in, in closing, anybody, if you guys have any questions for us about uh, the biblical lessons that we do or anything we've talked about in this episode or uh, if you guys have questions about anything, you want to talk to us about anime, comics, uh, anything in general, get your uh, Star Wars questions free. ready. Star, yeah, get your Star Wars questions ready. Uh, Star, like we've talked about previously when we did our review of Star Wars A New Hope, uh, Star Wars was our bro- was my brother and I's very first thing that we were truly fanatical about. Uh, so we have a deep love for everything Star Wars. Uh, so fleet please reach out to us. You can email us at talkback at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at FricketyF or at FricketyFrack on Instagram and Facebook. So 
One last time, we need to put some pants on and get into the sky.